Alright, welcome back. It is your boy, Six Pack Lapidat, with Paul Marinzan. How you, how you feeling today, sir? We're, we're both... Oh, God. We're both chugging, <laughs> we're both chugging the waters and downing the multivitamins Yeah. supplied if, by Fusion. If I had uh, access to an IV or something like that, like a drip, <laughs> that would be fantastic today. You know, this is why I schedule these uh, podcasts. I say, new, if I can, I mean, total time zone scheduling obviously you got to do what you got to do but try to make it noon if it's sunday because if not for myself for yourself or probably both we're gonna be a little under the weather and maybe our guests too you never know like oh, it's that's it's the a, truth it's a sunday we, you gotta live gotta... that's what that's what I, <clears throat> I i hear the guys who and girls come on here like yeah we don't drink and they're like 22 i'm like how the fudge is that possible because i'm you know it's it's i can go i can go like i've gone a couple months before a competition if i'm overweight and I gotta make my weight class. I'll cut out the booze and I'll do what I gotta do. Yeah, I do it for you know two months or whatever. Like I'll do eight weeks without. But I'm not a monk. No, there's a limit to my my my, my discipline. It honestly, man, you gotta live life. If you've been in like I've been powerlifting like over over a decade, you don't want to like it's it's okay to be dedicated. You don't want to dedicate your life to the point where you look back and you're like I wasn't living. Like I wasn't in the moment. Yeah. Like I'm, unless that's actually what you want your life to be. Like I mean. Some of these people, God bless them, like they're phenomenal athletes, and yeah. that's their entire drive, and that's their entire thing. Have at it. it, it no, if some you're enjoying, still, like, if you're enjoying what you're doing, yeah, I'll keep at it. Yeah, me, I, me, I enjoy drinking. <laughs> I enjoy <laughs> it. Makes, it makes me feel better about myself. Amongst gentlemen, gentle ladies. So last night, uh, me and Kathleen went to her work party. It's an early Christmas party, and um. She works at an animal hospital. It's privatized, obviously. And um, so the owners, they got some loot, okay? They got a little bread, okay? They, they, they're, living, they're living the life. They're living the best life. So they had, we all went to um, this restaurant, to the nines, the type of place that um, you're like, my God, I, could, I would never be allowed to walk, step foot in this fucking place. You can't walk into this place unless you make at least six figures. Um, it's a super freaking nice, classy place. And it's like uh, the food, everything, like the service, all the waiters oh, yeah, look like they went to school in fucking England. They all have this, you know what I mean? If they didn't like, have, if so they didn't have English accent to begin with, they, so they developed it at the restaurant. You sure as hell better bring it in. You, they check your bloodlines yeah. to, to work there. The Cockney accent, everything, they worked on it. Um, yeah, super. Like they, It was such a nice end. We're all getting seated, okay? So when we first get there, it's cocktail hour, and we're having cocktails. And Kathleen's main crew that she hangs out with are like early 20s, okay? And then, um, so everybody's kind of dispersing to different tables. It's, and uh, there's, there's probably about like 35 people in the room, maybe 40. And everybody's dispersing, finding different tables, about six, seven, eight different tables. And every, we, we, we get there late, of course, and we're down to cocktails to the last minute at cocktail hour. So by the time it's time to find a spot, it's like musical chairs. Where the fuck are we going to sit? Oh, and yeah, everyone's. It's, it's, it's every, like school all of a sudden. Like you're not, you're like, everyone's I, doing I, the mad dash for the uh, I should have showed up earlier. Tables. I, should, I didn't think of I'm not that dude. We're like, ah, damn. So anyway, it's the last few years. We would just sit with Kathleen's friends from work. They're around early 20s. And you notice when you sit down, um, and I was in my early 20s, man. I've been there. You sit down, it's a whole lot of you laughing at their stories and you humoring what they're saying. But they're con in terms of conversation, 
Well, here's the difference. So this year, we sat down and it was going to be with her bosses, who are the owners of the business, who are older, but, um, you know, you, a lot of people, no one else is sitting with their bosses for whatever the fuck reason. Uh, probably because you're a little intimidated. It's, and you want to let your guard down. You're thinking, yeah. I'm going to be three sheets to the wind. I don't know if I should be sitting with my well, boss I, right I, now. I, I right. that's mostly I respect that's that. Mostly it. I, I can respect I've that. that situation, except for me, personally. I just go with it. Yeah, well, right. that's honestly, that's what you should do because it can work the other way where you actually put yourself ahead. I, so I like being three sheets to the wind with my bosses. Yes. Yeah. So I obviously could give no fucks. So we sat down and um, we're shooting shit and you start realizing how much easier is to have conversation. And I remember when I was in my early 20s, man, not saying every, this is a generalization, obviously. Now everybody's like this. But I remember I'm just living for the weekend, got no like perspective on um, how to, how to like, carry a conversation. Like for instance, they're talking to me and Kathleen, yeah, we're getting married and then we're gonna do a honeymoon in Mexico. Right? They're at the, first they ask you, whoa, this is crazy. Nobody, nobody in the end of years were doing this when we're at these uh, Christmas. They're like, what are you doing this holidays? You got any plans? So they're actually starting a conversation. Wow. Yeah. And then I reply back, going to Mexico, and then they say, oh, whereabouts? And from there, you're going to love the pyramids. What you want to do is see, did you know how those pyramids were made? And then they're like, oh, man, what are you doing? Do you like boxing? Do I like boxing? Uh, yeah, I love boxing. You're going to love Mexico. And then they, all of a sudden they start talking in a conversation back and forth. Oh, man, I remember when I was in Mexico. A couple guys from Italy were down there and they were doing scuba diving. And then it just branches from get this listening, showing interest in what the other person's doing and listening to what they're saying and replying back with feedback and letting the shit snowball. And what I noticed when I was younger and sometimes, you know, when you're younger, the social skills aren't quite there yet, and you're doing a lot of heavy lifting where you're like, you will not, I sit down, I'm thinking, you are not gonna ask me fuck all, and um, it's, we're just gonna talk about what you're doing, and what you did on the weekend, and what the fuck, like, yeah. this, this is where this is gonna go, and I'm just gonna smile, nod, and be like, yeah, yeah, that's oh, yeah. awesome. In your early 20s, it's very me-driven, it's you, not, uh... you're, and what you're doing is amazing, and you didn't think everyone else already did it, or everyone does it in early 20s. You think you're living the life of a rock star, you're living the life of a 20-year-old. That's what every 20-year-old does. Yeah. But you think it's so new. It's so crazy what you're doing. And you're, you know, um, so that's why. And, and I bring some, it's kind of unique. It's not like that with the powerlifting community that we talk to. These kids are like, I say kids in their early 20s, but they're not living that life. But for some people, when you talk to them and sit down, you know, like if you try to extrapolate, like, um, you know, what's, what's your passions? What are you into? What do you... They're not there yet, and I wasn't either. I'm not talking shit. Dude, I didn't know what the fuck. I wasn't powerless. Yeah, I, I you, you, you sat down to talk to me. I don't know what the shit I would bring up. But um, it's weird that, yeah, I mean, you start realizing, like, if I, now, if I go to the next Christmas party, I'm like, let me sit beside those two, the manager, I'm not going to name drop, but, um, you know, the, the two managers and owners and like the people who've been around the block cultures and will talk to you about, like, I don't even think, even if they hadn't been around the world, it's the fact that they're at an age where they know how to start a conversation and keep it going. And they're on page with, they're going to have to do some heavy lifting as well as you. Yeah. It's, not just, it's like any let me tell you about it's like any good conversation. It just becomes like a 50-50 thing or a 60-40 split. Like you're not expected to just sit there and keep trying to keep things moving yourself. Like it's. Yeah. Or, or just be like. Let me keep nodding my head and, he yeah. and hear you talk about yourself. And let me keep thinking about follow-up questions about yourself. And let me keep doing this. It's actually, 
Oh, you, you want to know what I'm doing? Oh, you, oh, you. And then from there, if you actually listen to what the person says, oh, they mentioned this, they mentioned that, and you know something about it, and now you can snowball off it a little bit. Yeah. It's, that's like a skill. It's weird. And I remember when I was younger, I was fucking, it's crazy because now what I do, like podcasting, and like, um, you know, I, I did TV, like it was on a reality TV show where we just float around all North America interviewing people, all walks of life, and, and all the stuff I've done in terms of media. It's weird when I tell people this, that like it wasn't a skill I've always had. Like I do public speaking and shit and take questions and answers and have to work off of it. I could never do that earlier. Like just 10 years before people, people who knew me in early 20s would be like, I can't fucking believe. And now people who know me in my 30s would be like, you were not that guy before? And I'm like, no, it's a skill. It's not always my whole life. No, it's something that's, yeah, it's definitely developed in, I would say, later age, but I mean, it develops obviously any point. But I was the same way, like, early 20s? No, God, no. Like, if there was no carrying a good conversation, there's no life skills to really pull back on. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's... Yeah, no, that's it's, true. It's, the yeah. life, you have no life skills to, like, no uh, history to bring no up. No experience. No experience. And even just to realize, like... What's going on in that conversation? Is this person totally humor me trying to make this thing work? Because um, you sat beside me and, oh, fuck, here we go. And all I got to offer you was I got hammered on the weekend. And I'm going to tell you some crazy story. And you're like, I get it, kid. But you know what I mean? Like, you, I don't want to talk about, like, I mean, I, I remember we were just talking about this before. So, um, I, yeah, when you're that young, especially when you're trying to, hook up with the opposite, well, even the same sex, okay? But if you're just trying to hook up, period, how awkward it is at times, and now when you look back, it's like, well, no shit, because A, you're both socially fucking, got no idea. Oh, like, like, <laughs> I remember thinking, oh man, yeah, it can be tough at times. Like, it's, how do you bring up, how do you get a conversation going? How do you, don't worry, it's not just you. The other person has no freaking idea what they're Even doing. Even worse, when you both know exactly where you're trying to get to and nobody's got any direction as to get there. It's like, it's, not, it's almost a fucking miracle people banged in their early 20s. That's why alcohol that's, is needed. That's, it's I needed. Dude, it's like, uh, it's, I couldn't imagine being single and trying to go to the bar now and trying to pick up like a younger girl. And I mean, like, you know, early, in early 20s, whatever. There's got to be girls, I am sure, who aren't all like this. Okay, and there's guys who I'm sure weren't all like me and a bunch of guys I'll talk to in the early 20s. I know this. I'm generalizing, but fuck with me for a minute here. Vast majority, okay? And yeah, I'm going to say that vast majority. You go in there. I want to put a fucking screwdriver in my eye because it's like, it's not worth it. Yeah. It's like, God bless. I couldn't, you know, it's, it's, it's harder. You, you might think, oh, this older guy, he must for sure want it. Nah, man. It'd be so much work. You don't realize, man. Oh it's, my god. Yeah. As an older well, let's 30s. not say older, but just 30s. as, you, as somebody who's 30s. 30s, yeah. Yeah. Once you go to your 30s, I think you got a decade of 20s behind you and you pass that part, you got a little more But as somebody in their 30s who's still out there dating, who's still going through the same process, still at bars like myself, like it's I got friends who are younger telling me nowadays, like, oh, why don't you just do this or this? And like, dude, like I've already fucking done this. Like yeah. it, it's, it's fun in your 20s. It's awkward as shit. It's yeah. way worse in your 30s. Yeah. Like, I'm over and done with them dating multiple girls at the same time. Like, you just... Or or even... It's not a numbers game anymore for me. No, or even, like, talking... Like, just getting that shit going. And if you're, like, part of my crudeness, let's say if you're, like, all right, this isn't... I, talking to you is so painful. 
and I've talked to you for five minutes and I feel like I'm oh, done. God, yeah. It's hard, okay? Not literally. And then and you're like, do hey, I why does this work? Do I do this all night and then try to make a move? Knowing I don't want to date you because now but like that's fucking like I honestly maybe it's just where I'm at now. I'm like, I couldn't give a shit. There's no way if I was single, I'd be like, this is frustrating, man. Like this is this isn't me. I can't do it no more. When you're in early twenties, but when I'm early twenties, I also would have been unable. Like I just it, it, that's where it, it's a miracle. That's why there has to be booze. There has to be a lot of bad decisions made. Yeah, and I'm still on the so let, bad decisions made. So let's talk about your last night. Because my last night, okay, uh, three-course meal. My God, this these plates must have been... They fucking break out. The, they treat us like gold. Hand out bonuses at the end. She's very well taken care of. The owners are fucking, like, amazing people. Yeah. And great comps. I would hang out with them any given time. But, and they're not uppity... You know what I mean? It's, it was an amazing vibe. Everyone's all dressed up. It was it was an amazing time. And on the flip side, <laughs> I ended up at a we'll call it a college venue for music. Oh. Watching watching great live bands, Yukon Blonde, Zola's like entertaining bands, good time. But this is at again within like a university town on a university campus, basically is where we're Jeez. doing this. Dude, so, so they thought you were a narc. Oh, 100%. I mean, not the concert. No, no, it gets better. So this is, again, not my decision. Friend's birthday party. You go with wherever they want to go to. But we're talking people in their like mid to, late, mid to later 20s who are still doing this. No, it got better. That at least had like a wide range of people, wide mix of ages. Beans will bring up. Yeah. Yeah, wide range. The decision after that was we ended up at a college bar. Oh, shit. It, See, college bars can have teenagers. You can have 18 year olds, 19. There I felt like a narc. Wow. I somehow managed to get myself into a party of other people who were clearly dragged out there. Like, we identify each other from across you the bar. Real quick. They quickly, like, looked at me. There was, like, eye contact, like, you two will be here. You're like, I'm like, I've never met you before in my life. Yeah. I don't know your name. We're going to get through this together, bro. That was exactly what happened. Like, it was literally like we joined in the middle after catching eyes, and both, like, the conversation was. You feel too old to be here? Yeah. You? <laughs> Fuck yeah. You know, what's, you know what's crazy? So I remember when I was that young, if an older guy came out with the crew, I remember thinking, whoa, we're going to show him an amazing time. He's probably so bored with his life. He's probably so, like, dying for yeah. this. And I remember thinking when we brought him out, he's probably going to be like, oh, this is amazing. Not no. realizing that guy's actually <laughs> telling himself, I know. <laughs> he's telling himself, why the fuck did I come out with these guys? I God, God bless them. I love them. They're some of my best friends. Yeah. No, it's it's the party. It's different to hang out one on one yeah. with whatever the shit. It's a whole nother idea if you go to the bar and there's like it's like a. But uh, again, they're like, hey, why don't you come up on the dance floor? Blah blah blah. I'm like, no, because I feel old and creepy as fuck yeah. being up on the dance floor. So, like I don't know who I'm telling, who's underage, who's not of. Like, <laughs> oh, shit. I'm like, I just hand, oh, I'm just shit. fucking like hands off. You got every back. dance, every dance move you do, your hands are up, and it looks like you're doing it on purpose. But in reality, this is what your lawyer told you to do. And I'm like, like, up. I'm like, eye contact. Eye on contact is, but not too much. Her to the wall, like her to the fucking bathroom. Yeah, yeah, totally. People are not enough. This guy's moves. At the same time, they're like, why are you drinking? Like, I'm drinking, but it's. Yeah, there I, is not enough low-quality, yeah. basically unfit-for-human-consumption alcohol and cheap drinks that you can feed me to make me actually enjoy this on... Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean... And I gave it my best, but god damn, like... 
Yeah. So you stayed up late though. You got you got it done though. We I did what I had to do. I <laughs> you you directly enough. In saying this, I've been to like weddings, and um, as long as you're in a in, like as long as you're not in that environment, a college type yeah. environment, I'll hit the dance floor, rip that shit. Oh, up. definitely. I've been to weddings and totally like I'll do my damn thing. But it's different. It's different when you feel comfortable in terms of um, like I can't be around even like. 18, 19, 20 year olds, dudes, when they get drunk, oh, I aren't even there for fun no. sometimes. It's like whatever insecurities they got times 10. Yeah, but it's like talking it. about watching like awkward, not awkward, but like undeveloped social actions and stuff like that. Fucking like last night is basically like the spectating event of the century for me. Yeah. Just watching this shit go down. And you're, you're, you see them interacting like, with each yeah. other and you're like, and, and shit could either jump off either which way yeah. or so crazy shit. And you're like, I know, I did, like, I realized, man. And again, I sympathize to it. Like, I, I empathize to a point. I've been there. We've all been there. We all were, we all I, been there. And I keep ending up there. But That's... now when you're on the other side of that, though, in terms of, like, realizing what it is, you're like, you couldn't give a fuck. Yes. Yeah. You're literally like, don't care about any of that part. Dude's trying to be tough. Yeah. Um, or even like, yeah, the whole nine, man, the whole, you're just like, I couldn't give a shit, you know, picking up girls, scraps, the whole nine. That's like your life when you're early twenties in college yeah. and when you're older, you're like, I, I don't want to hear about your stories about it. And I don't want to, you know, beat that, that vibe the whole night. Um, another thing I want to talk about real quick. Uh, have you seen uh, on Netflix, the movie, um, better? No, I haven't heard of this. Okay, so it's on, no, it's not on Netflix. I lie. It's on, I think we ordered it off the TV. So this reminded me because earlier today, earlier, I think this week, some dude found a fucking island of, um, and I'm swearing on, I'm trying not to. I listen to how this, often I swear. We, I talk about being older and mature, and I talk like I'm 17. Yeah, it's. Dude, I can't help it. But okay, all right, I'm going to try not to. Um, there's it's, a, it's too late now. Just next episode. We'll yeah, this is a wrap. Yeah. Uh, there's an island apparently, and this is fascinating. This is a news. Okay, this isn't the movie better, but it reminded. So this is why I watched the movie better. So it is completely secluded, and there is no technology. The people living on it are literally stuck in time with tech. They're throwing spears, arrows. Um, they believe in like you know the the gods of whatever, all the different gods and stuff. Yeah. And they have no idea about technology whatsoever. And it is actually illegal to visit this secluded island because of all the viruses we might have. And they're so far back in time, it, they can, you could wipe them out. And they have no idea. Like literally, you, you, like if, a, if a plane flies overhead, they're trying to shoot it with arrows thinking it's some kind of crazy dinosaur. What? I'm not lying. It's, this, is, this is going yeah. on today. This is like, this is like an M. Night Shyamalan, whatever the fuck his name is. Ah, oh, goddamn! I swore it. Shemalong, ding dong. Um, one of his movies were like, you know, I think this is like the premise where he loved it. So um, this oh, one guy. This just reminds me of the movie The Village. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, very yeah. much. But this is real. And um, this one guy who's like a Christian missionary actually visited the island earlier this week with a plan to turn them into Christians, and it's illegal to go on this island. So. Um, and yeah, great idea, dude. Like, he I'm, assume, to, I'm assuming he was hunting for sport. This is, this is, uh, oh, damn, that's a bad joke. Let me tell you what, I, what happened. Jeez, <laughs> Paul, you just walked into that left hook. Oh, and now, you're, now, now you're an asshole. Peace out. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, so fast forward, uh, he ended up with several arrows to the chest and was killed. 
But, um, yeah, I'm sure castrated alive. But, um, no, he, he literally, his plan was, God needs to save these people. This is devil's, like, last island, and I need to save them. And he full-on believes his, his heart is in the right place in that he full-on believes what he's saying. Yeah. Uh, but is, he's incredibly stupid. And um, so people brought him to the island in boat because he paid them. They're being, they're being charged because it's illegal to go to the island. Yeah. They give a fuck not, I didn't get off the boat. No, but you know. So they dropped them off. Now, what assholes dropped them off on this island knowing, hey, you know, let's take this kid's money. We ain't never going to see it again. This kid apparently... I swear to God, wasn't this the plot of the last Rambo movie? This, this, well, no, Rambo would have cleaned these cats up. And been like, I didn't, I didn't... Well, I mean, that, that's I didn't help him find, flash, that's what happened in the movie, but... I didn't help him find God by turning Christians. I helped him find God by putting him face to face with him. No, he would have, um, Rambo would have been king on this island. Oh, oh, God, on this island. But, um, no, this dude got dropped off. He even video blogged and blogged saying, this might be the last time I live. This might be, you might never hear from me again. He knew. Yeah. Um, and sure as shit, yeah, he met a violent death. And in terms of what's going to happen to the people on the island, nah. Because you're an idiot, and you should not have came to the... It's illegal to go there yeah. for a good reason. Don't mess with them. This is, this is like... This is the, right, the U.S. or wherever he's from is not going to show up. I think he's American, if I'm not mistaken. It's not going to show up and arrest people and be like, no, hey, uh, like, no, that's, that's that, man. You, huh. Even if they wanted to, it's not like they could, like... There's jurisdictions and stuff like yeah. that for a reason, but it's yeah. You what are you gonna work? Talk to the chief. Yeah. Work on expedite expedite yeah. treaty. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I'm not give them up. Newsflash. I'm pretty sure I know how that story ends too. <laughs> exactly. Okay, send two three guys. Yeah. Let's see what happens. But um, anyways, and then uh, so I ended up watching that movie. Uh, better. It's an amazing movie. It takes place because this is where it brought me back to. It takes place twenty thousand years ago, where like I mean humans. There, there was culture. There was music. They had flutes. They had, like, uh, languages. They had, like, drawings and, and, and art. And they, like, were nomadic, but they were humans. But we have no, like, we don't know any of their stories. Like, we know, like, some of the pharaohs from Egypt's stories. We know, like, the Romans, the Greeks. We know all the rulers' stories and battles. Yeah. 20,000 years ago, there's humans all over the place. We, they all have stories. They all have tales. And we know nothing of them. Because you can't. Because there's no, like, written stories down. There was like, there's literally they have paintings where it shows what looked like a battle between people and heroes, but you have no idea what the fuck, who was fighting who, what was happening, who were the heroes in there, the generals, just happened. It fascinates me that yeah. like, there's stories going on that you will never know, you know, and it's just lost in time forever. Well, oh, I mean, yeah, exactly. That's one of the most fascinating things about history is I think the parts that aren't recorded. Like, could you imagine the type of shit that's happened in the world? Like, it's... For them, That's the difference, difference between 20,000 years ago and 15,000 years ago is like the difference between us and the Egyptians, first off. And to say, we could, we, it's just like nothing to us to skip from 20,000 years ago to 15,000 years ago because there's no recorded in between. It's all the fucking same to us now. It's like, yes, yeah, before we knew what the shit was going on. Yeah. Now, and that's where people identify themselves as, I'm Irish, I'm Scottish, I'm Italian. That's as far back as we could date back. Those mean nothing in reality. Those yeah. were, are like a blip. In terms of reality of how long humans have been around, that was like yesterday that some of these places were established, and you're not. You're not this, yeah, no, this little... We want to be tribal. Let's go a little bit further back. Here. We want to be a certain tribe, that, a flag we identify. No, but you're not. With that said, I'm Italian. <laughs> they call me Italian. They got the college parties. They call me the Italian stallion. 
for good reason. Because I dance with my hands up and peck her to the wall. And that's how I do my thing. Okay? Like, if you want some weed and you want some drugs, you come to me because I look like a knack. But, uh, anyways. So, anyways, on the segue of <laughs> yes, everybody's got stories. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What else did I? On the segue of everybody's got stories. Today we got a good podcast. Um, our guest, here's a gentleman. He had shot me um, some messages early on uh, saying, like, hey, can, you, can you repost some of my benches? And um, I didn't, he hadn't competed yet. And I'm like, let me see you compete at least once. Because I want to see, like, let me, let me, everything around you, I got to know exactly what I'm messing with. In the day of, like, fake weights, fake, uh, like, anything yeah. be fake. And you hate calling out fake weights and stuff like that. Like, you never I, I never will. I'm never going to yeah. say that. I just want to see some, I just want to see some official numbers. Yeah. Just so I know what I'm messing with. Because if I put it out there, King of the Lifts is now vouched for this and certified that, whatever, and you're giving a push. You know, you want, you, like, if you got some reputableness, some credibility, you don't, you got to be careful with yeah. that. And, and especially um, when you see guys like this throwing around, throwing, so, throwing around the weight that he's throwing around. So let me tell you, yeah, this gentleman. This, uh, this James, gentleman. Uh, uh, James, uh, yeah, he's in his 20s. Uh, James, I, I, fuck, I'm going to mess up his last name. Is it Peak or? We'll, we'll check it out. I was going to say. I'll get him yeah. to pronounce it. Yeah, I'm, I don't want to be the one that messes it up either here. So. But um, he was a, a heavyweight who, uh, like a big ass, he's like a 270, 280-pound gentleman, smashing in the 600s on a regular basis in the, in the gym. And, um, I mean, it was just incredible the numbers he's hitting on bench. And um, I was like, let me just see one competition, my friend. I want to see it. And he hit, I believe, a 623. Bench press. 623. And he said in the caption that that is an unofficial world record. Um, but I'm pretty sure TD, has he not hit heavier? You know what? I pay so little attention to most bench records that I can't... We can pull it up um, if you want to go to the IPF world records. But uh, yeah, 623 in his debut. Whether or not it's a world record or not, it's like within, within a shot of a world record. And, um, I mean, that's insane for, that's probably one of the biggest things you're going to find. And so you see why I was hesitant, like, how the hell is this possible? What's your story that you come out of nowhere, very first competition, and this isn't like in the early days of powerlifting, we've been established, and you smash an unofficial world record. You can see where I would be hesitant, like, is this real? Yeah. I got to see this. And my God, ladies and gentlemen, it's real. You got guys are just walking around. It's real. A past USAPL rod. The whole night. Yeah, USAPL. Yeah. Like, they don't mess around in terms of their calls and, and drug testing the whole night. So, um, there's, there's gentlemen like this walking around right now, which is frightening, that have the ability to walk in here and do something like he just did. And then I shot him a message. I'm like, absolutely, not only am I reposting this, I want to hear what's your story. What is your story? And then he told me his story, and I'm not going to tell it right now. We're about to no, have no, on. Yeah. And this it was like tell his own story because it's damn. I was like, I not only, dude, yeah, I reposted. You got to come on the podcast. I need to. Not only do I want to hear from your mouth, everybody's got to hear this story. Um, it's a hell of a like a Rocky style story, comeback story, but totally not what you would expect. You no, know, not so, at all. Like we've had some good stories on this, like Julius Maddox story. Yeah, that, you know, Julius is probably one of the top. Uh, Joey Sullivan, a hell of a story too. You know, there's Pitbull the, Torres. Pitbull like, Torres. Yeah, you got some good ones out there. But um, and that's one of the like I love having people on here, like strength guys, talk shop about 
the latest programming and training and where we're going with it, that's great. You get great takeaway. Yeah. But I also love me a good story and a good inspirational story. And, um, and just knowing that there are gentlemen out there who they're not competing yet. They walk on there and just very first meet could take everything you've ever heard and just remake history just off the street. You know, that's, yeah. that's fucking fascinating for any sport, you know? Like, there's a guy walking it's, the it's, earth right now. If he walked in the boxing ring, well, like, knocks uh, out the champ and takes the title. What the, hell, what the hell was the movie? Mark Wahlberg. Both the Gentle. Yes. Yeah, I love that movie, by the way. Yeah. I bought the DVD. It's going to say, great movie, yeah. great story. But yeah. same thing. It's, it, it's, it, this is the exact equivalent of that. It's yeah. somebody walking into the big leagues. Let me just try just this. Just for a tryout. And, and, and like, where have you been this whole time? And they're like, sit down, right? And let me tell you my story. Sit down. You're gonna, you're gonna, you wanna know where I've been? And you'll be like, God damn. So, um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this. With no further ado, let's contact this young man. So we got the man here himself, James Key, who hit in his debut yeah. 623 pounds, 282.5. Is that it? Yeah, 282.5 kilos. 282.5 kilo, very first competition. And that is an unofficial IPF world record. And James, we were just saying before we had you on here, um, how fascinating it is to think like you have sports who like powerlifting's been around for decades. You know, it's it's not a fresh new sport. And to think that, you know, it's like boxing thinking there's a guy walking the street who hasn't competed yet who could just walk off the street and knock out the heavyweight champion world and take the title. There's a guy walking the street. Who, who's, you know, he's not in the NBA, throw a basketball, and he could be a starter. It's just crazy to think, yes, there are people walking the street, and you would think, oh, they yeah. just would have found their way to powerlifting before that. There's a guy walking the street who, in his very first competition, let me give this a go, and unofficially smashes a world record. Well, it's just one of those things, like, we're still a growing sport as well, so. Great, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just, like, 623? No, I mean, like, yes. no, like, I'm not, not to take away from the way, it's absolutely yeah. insane. It's just hard to think, it's hard to wrap your head around how an individual, you know, and um, I think it's a fascinating story. So as soon as it happened, A, yeah, I'm reposting the fuck out of that. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, and B, I got to hear your story. And I think yeah. a lot of people um, want to hear the story. I shot you a message and, and got the gist a little bit about your background and um, a fascinating story, my friend. So I think there's a lot of people who are going to, when they hear this podcast, um, they, they want to hear the background story a little bit. So maybe take, let's take us back because you have a back to the childhood of James Key, because you are a massive man. Just looking at you on I, Skype right now, my fucking God. <laughs> I gotta zoom out, bro. That's what I'm looking at, I'm like, <laughs> you, I gotta zoom out because you, bar you barely fit in my now, screen right now. One thing I, unfortunately, I didn't notice in the post, and forgive me if it's not there, but what weight class are you in, James? I weighed in right at 314, so I was in the 120 plus. Damn. God damn. 314, That's... and you, you were not chubby. No. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, let's talk about your childhood. How were you, what was it like growing up? Growing up, I was a, I was the smallest kid around. I was a happy-go-lucky kid, nonviolent, just wanted to have fun all the time. I wanted to be everybody's friend. But the older I got, the meaner people got, so they kind of took that side out of me. High school is really when everything took a turn. My ninth grade year, I was going into high school. I was five foot eight, ninety eight pounds. 
I was super skinny. Yeah. They picked on me, used to call me names like tapeworm, starving African kid. They used to beat me up, take my pants, put my head in the toilet, all that type of stuff. <clears throat> and like I said, I was a nice kid, passive aggressive, didn't want any trouble. So I, you know, put up with it because I didn't want to fight that. But yeah. everybody has a limit. So one day I got a little tired of it. I started fighting back and I started getting into a lot of trouble. And my parents weren't happy with it. So me, my mom, and my dad, and the principal, guidance counselor, we all sat down, and they came up with the decision. They decided to expel me from my first high school. Wow. But I had a teacher who knew me very well because I would always go to him and seek out emotional support and let them know what was going on because I liked school. I was a nerd, the geek. I liked cartoons, anime, all that stuff. He was my English teacher. He got me into a secondary high school, which was even better for me because I actually got a head start on my college. So I actually did get a chance to finish high school. I went from being expelled from one school to graduating on the dean's list. Oh, yeah. isn't, that, which, isn't, that, isn't that like, just, just to say something real quick here, isn't that crazy how it's all about opportunity and people don't want to hear that shit. They think that's weak talk, but it's like, the same kid in one school could be expelled, getting in fights, and you think he's trouble. The exact same kid in a different school could be on the dean's list, and you tell people it's all about giving that kid the opportunity. And some people don't want to hear that shit. They think that's weak talk, but it's true, man. It's all about believing in a kid and how you approach it. But uh, continue there, James. So in between that, my dad, my uncle, and my mom, they wanted to figure out a way to keep me out of trouble, so they got me a gym membership. They told me anytime I got aggravated, I felt a little emotional, or I felt like I wanted to do something stupid, I I wouldn't do anything like drink or smoke. I would just run straight to the gym day or night, and I would work out. And I would stay at the gym all day, every day, during the school day, summer, whatever, and I would work out until I couldn't move sometimes. Or I would work out until all of my negative emotion was gone. And eventually, all my negative emotion became beneficial for me, and I just fell in love with the gym and it's been my therapy ever since. You, you know that there's that one expression from the movie V from Vendetta, and where he goes, what they did to me was monstrous, so they created a monster. You know, uh, yeah. where, where, with those kids, in terms of the tormenting, you had said, like, sticking your head in toilets, just, it, it's not just the act, it's the uh, humiliation in front of your peers. That affects you, not just at the time, but you carry that, you know? Like, when you're developing and you're, like, a teen, you're still a child's mind growing. Um, so when you do stuff like that to somebody, you create that anger and that animosity. And then there's, you know, when you have the opportunity and an outlet to try, try, channel it and drive. It's just a weight you're carrying with you at that point, like for the rest of your life. It's yeah, not... yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, obviously, given your size, so you must have at some point, because how tall are you? Right now, I'm 6'3". So you're 5'8". You had a growth spurt, and this is probably what made you so lean. But um, yes, they're six three three fifteen. <laughs> my God, I, that man. is a lot. Of, that is a lot of time spent in the gym to go from dude from ninety eight pounds to. So how much did you start? Like, how did the bulk started coming on? You must have started eating and. Well, my first time ever bench pressing was in high school because we had a weightlifting classes and an elective. I knew nothing about the gym until then. So weighing in at ninety eight pounds, I maxed out at. My bench press was a 25 on each side. So I couldn't even bench press pretty much 100 pounds when I first started. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a hell of a progress. 
And then but I just kept, I kept going and going because even now I didn't really focus on the weight because for the past three years I didn't have a workout partner, so I don't really work out for strength. I work out pretty much for my own satisfaction and to stay in shape. So I can't really push my limits or my luck like I want to to train for powerlifting. I just happen to slowly, just gradually keep going up and up because I have my own methods of getting stronger, but at the same time, I don't want to look like a powerlifter. I don't want people to look at me and say, oh, he's a big, fat, strong guy. I want people to look at me and think like I'm an off-season bodybuilder or something. Mm. And most people think I'm a bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I was going to say, which I can definitely see that right now. So, um, in terms of how much, so how did you go from 95 pounds to 315 like did you just start eating like how much food do you eat well first i tried a clean diet as far as eating everything by the book but my metabolism was so fast i eventually had to keep doing the clean diet and after i got all of my calories in i would just hoard all the junk food i could and i would gain i would first i would gain like five i would gain about 10 pounds of i would get about 10 pounds and out of those 10 pounds about six of it would be muscle and the other four would be fat. And then I would just cut back and be strict a little bit till I got my body fat down. Then I would just keep doing that again. Gain 10 more pounds. As long as half of it was muscle, I was satisfied. Eat clean until I straightened my body fat down. Do it all over again. And, and by the time you ended up on the Dean's List um, and you're a senior in high school, were you still skinny at this point? Or did you start no, looking out? When I graduated from high school, I weighed about 215 pounds. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Damn. Talk about a turnaround. Did you ever swing, when you were senior, you were swing by your old school, 6'3", 215, and everybody was like, oh, shit. <laughs> What's, did you see your bullies after well, that? Actually, at that point, a lot of people already knew about me because in our city, I was real big into like the mixed martial arts scene. Oh, because along with lifting weights, I wanted to learn how to defend myself. So I started doing a little jujitsu, some judo, and some Muay Thai. But even I'm like I said, even the people who hurt me in the past, I could care less about them. I have nothing to do with them. When they see me, and some of them I still see till this day because I live in the same city. They just act like I'm invisible because they're terrified. They remember what they did. Yeah, yeah. There's got to be. Because uh, how old are you right now, James? 25. So there's got to be also some shame for them. When you're, what you did when you're 17, you know, 16, 15, whatever the hell, when you're an adult and you look back, you've got to have, and you hear shit like, like you're talking about it right now. If you're one of those individuals who hear it, you've got to have some shame. You've got to have like, damn, that was, like you, that's not exactly your proudest yeah. moment. That's just the mob mentality you know, it feels like something I you mean, want to do right there, but... You hope to God they have some shame anyways. You would hope like to God they have some shame. Anybody who's done that, I mean... If not shame, you got to hope that James is having a good day when you run into him. Because yeah. that's 6'3", yeah. 315 pounds, one of the strongest men in the world, does MMA, yeah. and you're like, how you doing, sir? Can I buy you a beer? How are you feeling? Let's talk about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, if you don't have shame, at least you hope to God that you're... You're, fear. you're, you're pretty humble at that point. Yeah, you're yeah, humble, that's for sure. So... At this point, um, were you looking into other sports? Uh, no, I wasn't really into sports all that much growing up. Even now, I don't keep up with football, basketball, or anything like that. I don't know much about it. I pretty much just enjoy doing what I do. And, and so after school, 
Um, did you go into a college or university then, not for sports, but for education? After school, I was a paramedic and a fireman for a little while. Oh, wow, okay. Good for you, so you're helping people. Total, total opposite of the people who are picking on you. Still giving yeah. back. Nicely done. Yeah. And then you were telling me also you, you got into owning your own business? Yes, sir. Uh, what I did for two years, I drove an 18-wheeler across country. Then after that, I decided this is easy business. I can do this for myself. So I bought me my own truck, and instead of hauling drop-ins, I started hauling cars from coast to coast. So I had a car hauling business, and it paid pretty good money. I was working for myself, but my accident took that all away from me, and I can't even drive a car anymore. So let's talk about that. Um, what exactly happened that uh, they took away your license, and you went from your own business, a profitable business, you know, and, and like that's the dream right there. Everybody wants to work for themselves and set their own, be the, the driver of their own destiny, so to speak, no pun intended. And then that all went away on you. Uh, what, t tell us about that. Well, before having my own business, I wrecked three semis. Had no idea why. I thought I was crazy. So did the companies I worked for. When I was with my business, I had my personal vehicle. I was driving it. I actually drove my truck through a brick business. I don't recall that at all. That I get rushed to the hospital in the ambulance. I don't remember any of this. Turns out that for years now, I've been living with what they call absent seizures. It's a form of epilepsy. Mm -hmm. It's caused by a regular brain activity. It's pretty much like my mind is gone for a short period of time, whether it's seconds or minutes, but... I had no idea of it. Now, here's the funny part. When I came to in the hospital, I thought I had passed out or something, and my mother was crying. I asked her why she was crying and while we were at the hospital. I didn't even notice that I was the patient. Oh, wow. Yeah. They showed me a video of the accident, and oh. I was 100% convinced that someone stole my truck and crashed it in the building. I actually have a, I actually have a video of the accident. And how crazy would that be to, like, yeah, I got chills just thinking, like, this is like a weird uh, black mirror episode where you wake up and you get shown a video of you saying, this is you. And you're in the hospital and you're watching something happen. You're like, that wasn't me, though. And they're like, no, but you're a patient here. You're not visiting anyone. And yeah. Like, what the hell is going on? Yep. That's exactly how it felt. Um, because... The doctor told me I was conscious the whole time and I don't remember anything. And the time between me having the accident and the time to me mentally coming to was an hour. So I was walking around for an hour or having conversation with the doctor. Doing, they were doing tests with me and I don't remember any of it, but my eyes are wide awake. That is scary, man. That and is... this is, so this is a form of epilepsy? Yes, sir. It's called absent seizures. Wow, man, I've that never is heard fascinating. Of like I have never heard of that. But like the brain is a funny, I've heard of um, epilepsy. My my girlfriend's uh, brother suffers from it, but she, he would have like the, the seizure. When you hear the word seizure, uh, people just like, you know, you fall down and lose control like that. But I guess, is this a yeah. form of that where so every time he that happened to him, um, he would suffer damage because I think you're, you're not breathing or something around those lines. Is this, when this happens to you, is it like a blackout, or is it blackout plus damage because of it? What's the repercussions of this? The repercussions of this is 
pretty much is it's more physically dan- dangerous than uh, than health wise. Like my brain and stuff, my brain might suffer. My episodes last more than ten minutes, but typically they shouldn't. But I have had some that do. But the most dangerous thing my doctor's concerned about is since my seizures are absent, I can be doing any and everything and randomly have a seizure. And if what I'm doing is potentially harmful, it could get me too. Just like I was driving and had a seizure. If I'm cooking and have a seizure, I could forget to put my oven mitt on. Oh. I could forget I'm cooking. Wow. I could burn myself. Oh. If I'm walking down the street and I have a seizure while I'm walking, I could walk right into traffic and get hit by a car. Jesus. Yeah. This, this, is, yeah. this is like... This, again, is like a freaking movie like Unbreakable where you have the potential to be one of the strongest men in the world, but on the flip side, you know, it's, it's fascinating to see, man, you are like a hulk of a man, but to be vulnerable at the same time on any well, given time. that's what I was just a, thinking of. It's such an interesting scenario. How does, like, how does this play into your training, then? Because I could, imagine, I could imagine benching yeah. the fives and stuff like that. Yeah. There, there are a few things that I know that trigger my seizures, and it's stress, and one of them, a big one, is physical strain. So when I'm at the gym, I can actually feel the onset of a seizure, and if I catch it in time, I'll just sit down and wait it out, which is about five to ten minutes, and I'll get up and see if I can go again. But sometimes if I'm training and I don't feel good, I'll just have to stop my training altogether, come back a different day, or come back hours later and try to finish, or if I feel like there's people around me I can trust, I'll have them heavily spot me or watch me while I work out because it can be fatal if I have a seizure while lifting weights because that weight can kill, you know, fall on me and crush me. Yeah. yeah. Is it? So when these seizures happen, um, are you physically, like physically still able? Like, because the, the one thing I'm, I'm wondering off my head is if there's weight in your hands and you're benching, your mind might drift and you go into one of these episodes but because it's such an intuitive, instinctual thing, you have 500 pounds over your chest and your hands, you're going to keep pressing, even if in the days you don't necessarily know what you're doing. It's almost instinctual, whereas um, if you're walking down the street and an episode happens, you could t- it's not intuitive what's going on. You might just walk into, like, in front of a car or something because you're confused. So is it like... Are you still strong enough during one of these situations where you could probably continue pressing if it hits you mid-set? What do you think? The doctor says muscle memory and instincts can keep me safe, but just to be sure, he don't want to you know, take any risk. But as far as lifting weights, if I were to have a seizure while bench pressing or something, muscle memory should be enough to get it off of my chest. But... I shouldn't keep going. Well, whoever's, you know, yeah. watching me shouldn't yeah. let me keep going if I do get it off my chest. Yeah, yeah, you know something's wrong. This dude looks right. confused, spot, whatever, but, um, yeah, that is freaking some scary stuff. So, walking into, like, a like your first, okay, well, first off, let's back it up. I don't want to get ahead of myself. So, the business goes, and, and so they revoke your license, um, and you said this happened three times, and the one time you were gone for, like, an hour. When they were talking to you, did they know this was the case right off the bat? Or did they think there's, were you getting hit with accusations of drunk driving and they just didn't understand initially? Well, they thought I was under the, dr- under the influence of drugs or alcohol because I was mentally non-responsive, but I was conscious. Yeah. And it's because I was having a seizure and they had no idea. And neither did I because I didn't know I had epilepsy at the time. 
So they thought I was under the influence and they were treating it like a, you know, like a criminal case because I ran into a building and I almost hit three people in the building and it could have been fatal. Yeah. I almost killed myself as well. So when we got to the hospital and everything, I was still in my episode, didn't know what was going on. And the police and stuff were talking back and forth to the doctor. The doctor was like, no, he's clean. There's no drugs or alcohol in his system. And when I came to, the doctor started asking me a bunch of questions. And then that's when they did the test for epilepsy and a few other things. And he was like, I know exactly what's going on. Well, you're lucky. So the the cops kind of had to back off. And it was kind of strange with the city, too, because I live in a small town where everybody knows everybody. And there are still people to this day that thinks that I was just some drunk idiot who ran into a building because they don't know the truth. And, you know, every day the doctor makes me walk around with medical tags on. It's got my name on it, my emergency contacts, all that stuff. I got to take prescription every day. I got to go to the doctor every three months get a checkup, be a lab rat, get blood work, brain tests, all that stuff. But I'm just glad I didn't kill anybody or myself. You would think everybody in your town would hear about your story and realize, like, that's James Key. Like, dude, so, A, when it first happened, it's crazy that, like, the cops, I can't even imagine, you're not even in a situation where you could defend yourself. You have no idea what's going on. You couldn't even explain to the police what happened. But I could see on the surface where it would be like, they would ask you, young man, how did this happen? You almost killed yourself, almost killed three people, and you're not even there to speak on it. But there's also shock. Even, even if subconsciously your brain is like, um, isn't there, and on top of that, the shock. Like when you're coming to in the hospital and you're getting told you almost killed three people, you almost killed yourself, and you have no idea, that would be just absolutely rattling anxiety. Yeah, I know it's... It's like a nightmare. It's like waking, waking yeah, up from a nightmare. It's like waking up from a nightmare. Um, now, James, do you know how rare this condition, like is this a very rare form of epilepsy? Because I've never heard of this person. Yes. Yeah. It is, it is very rare, a very rare form of epilepsy. So my doctor, he showed me a few YouTube videos of people having them. You can Google an absolute seizure and you can see people having them. And it literally just looks like somebody's asleep with their eyes open. It's called so, like sleepwalking. It's, Yes, it's hard for someone to notice it unless they know you personally because they would know how they would have to know how you normally act versus how you're acting when you're having a seizure. Yeah. 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 So no. if you don't know someone too well, you would think they're just a weird person or a drunk. Yeah. Yeah. Well yeah. that's actually saying it's sleepwalking, that's actually kind of what I was you know, that's what you're picturing in this case. Because you hear stories about people taking like ambient and doing stuff and waking Crazy. up, yeah, waking up and having no idea as to what happened. Yeah. Well, there's, there's, <clears throat> yeah, people have used the ambient defense, the yeah. sleepwalking defense for doing all types of crazy things. But um, have you, have you found yourself ever doing something completely abnormal, like out of character for you, while under one of these influences, or do you just pretty much sit on autopilot? Well, there's been two times that I've noticed that I've had a seizure without my family or friends telling me because I'm completely unaware when I have a seizure. That's, a, that's also the dangerous part. Mm-hmm. I don't know when I'm having a seizure or if I've had one. But there are several things like a couple of days ago, I was sitting on my couch watching Netflix. I got up to make me something to drink. And when I came back to sit on the couch, I noticed that I had already made two drinks before the one in my hand. Holy and I didn't remember making them. So I had made myself three cups of drink. And I'm like, I must have had an episode because I don't remember making those two cups of drink. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is like a fascinating 
storyline. Like this is um. So while this is happening, obviously the fallout, they ended up pulling uh, your license from you, um, which in this, in essence, it ends up taking away your business. It ends up taking yeah. away your livelihood. And for a young man who had already overcome so much as a teen and used weightlifting to bring himself back, uh, you know, one of the top uh, in terms of students in your school and, and, um, and then owning your own business and doing so well, what was it like then in terms of when they, when they pulled your license, pulled your, your business from you and, and basically your ability to, to feed yourself even? Um, tell us about that. It was very fatal because... I was a very busy, self-sufficient person. I did everything independently. I was never in one spot for too long because I was always trying to get something done. I I don't believe in sitting still. I think if I'm sitting still, I'm not being productive enough. I can't get up and go to the gym in my own free will. I can't plan things without somebody else being involved. I can't work for two reasons, because I can't drive myself to work and because a lot of jobs are too dangerous for too high risk for me and just I feel like I have no independence I feel like a child again and weightlifting is the only thing I really have left so I said hey that's what I'm going to do with my life now you know it makes sense like when you hear it when you first hear it someone who doesn't understand their first knee jerk reaction would be don't bench press because it's too risky you know when they hear this story until they realize like my friend what am I supposed to do Life goes on, like I need a quality of life. I have, it was so, in terms of your life, there's so much you don't have control over, but something you do have control over is that progress, is that weight. What you put in is what you get out. You put X amount of work in and you see the numbers rise. It's very, you know, number orientated. You can set goals and chase them. And on top of that, you, you might be the biggest bench presser in the world, in the IPF. Like, you just unofficially broke a world record. Like, in terms of, if not, you're in the one percentile walking the earth. So, it 100%, even though it sounds on the surface, like, incredibly dangerous, I don't think you should do it. When you hear, like, listen, for everything that, that's been taken from you, um, you think of, like, the gift that you've got. You know, it's, it's, that's your reason to get up. It's like, no, you, you take that from me. Like, that's my purpose right now. You know, that's that's what's keeping me sane. Yeah. Yes, sir. My doctor recommended that I dial it back, and I told him with a tear in my eye that I would happily die in the gym. Yeah. And you know what? I this said, I'm not, I'm not going to do anything stupid or intentionally hurt myself, but if, I, if something happens and I have to go, the gym would be the ideal place. You know, some people put that shit on a T-shirt, and they don't mean it. They think it's cool to say. But in this situation... My friend, like it is that. It is where it's like, you can't take this from me. Yeah. You know, and you can, your story too, though, it's, um, it's inspiring, you know, on a, on a bunch of different levels, just from everything you've been through and then your drive. And it is fascinating that a gentleman like yourself can just walk off the street with that story you have and have created yourself into, you know, like you're like, because you are as big as you are, you don't realize when you're 6'3, 315 pounds. That's like a guy walking straight out of a comic book. You know, to see you in real life is like to see like a real life superhero walk in there, you know, and, and um, to be moving the weight you're moving. But then to at the same time have that badge on you, you know, and show the vulnerability. It's fascinating. I hear people tell me I'm big or huge a lot, but I don't think I'm big. That's the funny part. 
Like when I look in the mirror, I still see that same skinny kid I saw in high school. Yeah, yeah. And that's what bullying does, right? Like we said, you yeah. carry it. You carry it, and that becomes your motivation now. So after this happened and they took away, um, you know, all your job and everything you had worked for, initially, was there a period where it was, you know, a lot of self-reflection and it was like a dark period where like, my God, what, what next? What do I do now? Or did you all of a sudden realize, like, uh, let's talk about that a little bit before we turn it back around. Well, the first thing I did is I spent 40 consecutive hours in the gym and I literally had a mental breakdown and I'm talking grown man laying on the floor crying in front of people and my best friend literally had to come carry me out of the gym. Wow. Yeah, and I had a real rough time with it because I still had bills. Thank God I don't have any children that I have to take care of. I'm, I'm a single man, so I don't have to worry about taking care of my wife or anything. But it was rough. Sometimes it's still tough, but I say the past is the past and just keep looking forward. And and um, do you now do you live alone right now? Like, is it or, or do you like do you live with somebody who can help you out and, and watch over you? Yes, sir. I live with my parents. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because you and, and that's like a I know it's a tough situation, but I mean it's it's dangerous. Like you said, you could leave the oven on. You could do whatever the heck, right? So it it would be difficult. Um. So after that, I mean, and it's so telling that you went to the gym. You know, the, for forty eight hours straight, like that's insane. Um, I mean, I can only imagine, were you a big dude right, when this was going on? And during the accident? Yeah, uh, yeah, around the accident and when you visited the gym and had that breakdown, were you still a massive man? or? That was earlier this year, yes, sir. Okay, so if I, I could picture an 18-year-old kid seeing a 300-pound man there for 48 hours and he's scared shitless to ask you to leave, he's like, this dude's staying as long as he wants to. But, um, yeah, the fact that you went to the gym just shows like that was that's like your knee-jerk instinctual reaction you need help you go to the gym and that makes i right. mean by no means can you take that from you so that was earlier this year so what were you what kind of weight were you moving before you started powerlifting well i technically still don't powerlift right now i just do like a general i do a general i don't lift heavy i lift moderate because i don't have a spotter so, like, my last set of bench press for my chest day was probably, like, 605 to three reps. That is so, heavy, my friend. I was going to say, I hate to break it to you, but that's, that's heavy. heavy. That's heavy. But it's crazy that, like, so here's another thing, James, and this, your story just gets better and better. Like, you, so you don't have a coach. You don't have a team. You do the solo. What you're doing is incredible. Like, you are the probably the best raw talent I've ever heard of. And um, just totally on your own in terms of diet, in terms of programming, in terms of technique, the whole nine, in terms of going there, self-motivation, this is all you. Yes, sir. I've never had a trainer, never taken a drug. I don't even take supplements. Um, but I am open to a coach or a team because I am willing to learn things that I don't know. I'm always willing to learn and grow. That's mm -hmm. one thing about me. I'm never satisfied where I am. I always want to improve. Yeah. I mean, that is absolutely, uh, it's crazy to think yeah. this, man. I mean, it's such a fascinating story. I'm not well, and I, I, lost for words. I, I keep going back to our initial discussion, like for our intro, we're talking about the individuals who are walking. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you ask yourself, like there, there's so many, you hear about the 1% people who, who may or may not be walking the earth that you've never heard of. And they have such incredible stories. 
And um, you'd be like, well, if they could, they would have just walked into that field of play. Whatever, maybe the smartest man in the world might be a monk, and you'll and he he's got it all figured out, but you'll never hear him. And you're like, no, can't be. And then you hear James's story, and with no just no training, no you know, just like totally roughing it on his own. Yeah, but such composure as well. I've been told numerous times before I competed, everybody's like, dude, your bench sucks. You'll never bench anything in a competition. You have no technique. Your back is too flat. Your grip is too narrow. Your feet are too far out. And at first, I started to change my ways to try to imitate them. But I'm like, no, I want to stick to what I know because I'm not going to risk hurting myself. And I'm going to take what I've worked for and what I know to a competition and prove them wrong. And then I'm going to prove something to myself that I can do this no matter, you know, what I, even what I think. Because I even had a doubt that I could press 585 or something in the competition, even though I do it at the gym. But I'm like, nope, I'm not going to doubt myself and I'm going to shut all my doubters up. I mean, when you started pressing, um, what, what weight were you with? And at one point, was it just like, okay, you hit four plates, 400 pounds or 405. That's amazing. But did it, did it just start like every week you went in there, it started going heavier and heavier and heavier? And was it, when was the realization when you're like, oh my God, I think I have a gift? Yeah, because when we, well, when we talked about it, you said that you started off like your very first bench press day, you were 25 aside plus bar. Yeah, l- l- tell us a little bit about this it's... progress. Um, because the reason why I ask, like usually you see a, a young man enter the game and you see his progress. Yeah. Like, like you see it in video, you see it in competition, and it's easier, like you just, it, the yeah, story's there. No, it's mind-blowing to think about going from, you know, a 95-pound bench to six, uh, six, uh, The unofficial world record. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, maybe walk us through this progression, and was there ever a point, was it a slow progression from then, or was it ever like a situation where just, you started turning it on at one point, and the weight just started flying, and you had this, oh my God, moment. Well, I literally didn't realize I was strong for a long time. Up until about two years ago, I would never work out with anything above 450 because I didn't train for numbers. I just trained to, I was training for size at first. Don't pick on me. Like I said, I'm a nerd. I wanted to look like a Dragon Ball Z character. Yeah. <laughs> so I was ready for that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So my brother came to town one day and we worked out together. He's my older brother. Yeah. I was in the gym. I bench pressed 450. And like I said, I would never go over that. So he tells me to turn around and he says, don't look at the bar. He puts 500 pounds on the bar and tells me, close your eyes, lay back and do it. I did what he said. I put it back. It was fairly easy. And he just freaked out and started screaming and scared the heck out of me. <laughs> I turned around like, he said, look at what you just did. And I looked at the bar. I'm like, holy crap, did I really do that? He's like, yeah, you just did that. And it was easy. And from that point on, I was like, man, I'm a lot stronger than I thought I was. Maybe I've not been pushing myself hard enough. And then that's when I started really trying to focus on making sure I'm not going into the gym, wasting my time. I want to actually get a good workout. I was was a little intimidated by the numbers for years. But then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to break everything down into a percentage. That way I'm mathematically, you know, challenging my body. Yeah, yeah. And that's when I started working on my numbers and slowly going up. So my first time benching 500 pounds, I could actually bench press 550 and just didn't know it the whole time. Wow. And then from there, you just steady increase, added, you know, 10 pounds at a time or slow crawled it up. Like how long ago was that 500 pound Eureka moment? 
That was about two years ago. Wow. Wow, so now you're like 620. But then again, like you said, you probably could have benched more than five. I mean, this is, uh, I mean, I keep throwing back to this Estrella movie, but that is exactly it. This is, if this was a movie, that would be one of those key moments where your brother walks in there, loads the bar, and is like, just don't look at it. Just give me what yeah. you got. Give me what you got. And he must have had faith. He must have, your brother must have had an inkling. Because otherwise, he's the one spotting, and I'll tell you what, when I spot someone four, four plates aside, you're like, all right, let's get ready. If I have to spot someone 500 pounds, you know, it's, 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 you better have a pretty good inkling yeah. the guy's going to be able to hit it. That's a 50-pound jump. Yeah, it's not, not only that, I mean, like, 500 pounds is a good deadlift for 95, 99% of the population. Like it's, so your brother must have had an inkling that there's something that, special inside of you. Like, there's, there's, there's something there waiting to come, and he was interested, and he probably knew... I got to do this, and I don't want James to see it just to bring it out. And that's a he- that's a turning point in your life, my friend. Um, yeah, I didn't realize it, but I would have never went over that 450 if he didn't do that because I was always intimidated. I'm like, hey, I'm going to say right here, I, I had a problem going outside of my comfort zone, and sometimes I still find myself having that problem. That's why when I work out, I do everything with pause reps. If I can't pause it, I don't do it. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's why I said I would be open to a coach because if I had people around me that knew what they were doing, it could safely spot me, I would be more comfortable doing weights outside of my comfort zone, which would be the heavier numbers. And, and, and what do people in your town now think of now that you've developed into this not only um, like an over the larger-than-life character, literally, in terms of your size, but just like your story. Like, I... I hear this, and I got to think, like, after your first competition, and I can't believe we're talking you're a one-competition guy when you've already done what you've done, but every freaking, if you're in a small town, you have to be the best story coming out of a small town. Unless fucking you got um, Nate John Elway coming out of your town or something, you got to be the biggest story. The news should be all over this. Everyone should know your story and realize now you shouldn't have to wear this tag so people know who you are, your background. What are people thinking now? Not just in your small town, your gym, or in everything. Is there, rea- is there a reaction to all this? There is a reaction to all this, but most of it's negative. What? What? I can't wrap oh. my head around this. All right. Most of it is negative because I've had some supporters who were supporters until I pretty much confirmed my strength to them. And they're pretty much upset at me because they thought I was lying the whole time when I told them I was natural. And it kind of hurt their egos a little bit because I told them, I don't judge anybody who uses you do what you do. That has nothing to do with me, but it's just my personal, you know, my personal thing. I want to do, I want to push myself to the limit and see how far I can go through my mindset and my hard work to see what I'm capable of without the help of anything else. Mm. That's what I want to do. So when I got up, when I went to the competition competition and I did that, it made them look at me and, you know, turn the eye at me, roll their eyes at me because I just pretty much did something that they bust their ass all day and can't manage to get close to and probably have been doing it for twice as long. Mm. And then those are the same people that are telling me, I don't know what I'm doing, or they see me in the gym and say, you're not doing this right. So is it the fact that, um, are they mad because they think, Either you're not natural and you're lying, or you're, or that you're wearing it like a badge, saying I'm natural, and they get insulted because they're not, and they're like, "Hey, man, like, is is it? Which one of those is it? Do you think it is?" 
they get upset because they ask me if I'm natural or what my stack is, and I tell them, hey, bro, I don't have a stack. I don't take anything. And then I confirm that I'm telling the truth. Yeah. I don't tell people I'm natural until they ask me, hey, bro, what are you on? What are you taking? And then that's when I tell them I'm natural. I don't walk around just saying I'm natural all the time. Mm. Yeah, there is there is like um, like a back a backlash, a back push that I've noticed, whether it's bodybuilding or powerlifting, if you have it on your Instagram, if you post it that you're natty, I'm natty this, natty that, fucking for some reason people get upset. And like like not people who are natty you get upset, but if you're not, you take it like an insult. You take it like you think you're holier than us or something. It, it's it not should, that. No, it shouldn't be like that. And it's like bodybuilding, I think for, I shouldn't say bodybuilding, but lifting weights for a lot of us is, there's a therapeutic element to it, like you're talking about, James. Well, and James is the best. Yeah, best, just uh, the, yeah, yeah. the best example of this. Yeah. But there's also the other side of it, which is it's very egotistical and very... It's completely self-centered. It's yeah. completely... So, um, yeah, goal, everything. Yeah, it's very easy, I feel like, for people to get offended because either they think they're better than you, they think they should be better than you, they should be better than what they are doing. And, and, see and that that's a problem I ran into. problem I ran into is a lot of people do bodybuilding and powerlifting for like a career or a full-time gig, but like I was just telling you guys earlier, up until my first competition last week, I just worked out for my enjoyment and that makes, you know, that also makes them look at me like, I don't like this guy. I busted my ass for years for this and he just walks off the street or out of the gym and comes in here and does this. Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, these are these are the same dudes who be those bullies in high school, though, James. These are those guys who are, it's them. The insecurity, there's something about them that, like, it's, it's, it's like what you're, everyone in life, it's a far easier to just look at things like whatever anyone else is doing does not take away from you and your goals. You stay on your path and do the best. You put in 100%, you get out what you put in, and you realize that yourself. But for some people, they look at it like, um... If, if you do well, you're taking away from me a little bit. Yeah. I need you to not be there, then I'm number one. A lot one. of people look at it like you're taking away from their accomplishments, which is not the case whatsoever. No. If it's if it was, yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I tell people all the time, when it comes to my work ethic, whether it's at actual work or in the gym, I try to remember one thing in my mindset. I don't want to do anything that I'm going to be too ashamed to see my children copy me do or tell them that I did. Mm. And that is another reason why I choose to not do certain stuff that the industry is doing. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to have to look at my kids and say, don't do this and be a hypocrite. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the thing is, um, like, you chose USAPL. It's a drug-tested meat. So um, you had mentioned, like, you know, it's, it's important to you for what you're looking at. And, um, yeah, 100%. Once you choose that drug-tested meat, you don't – last thing you want is a failed test yeah. or something because then that puts a dark And did you get tested at your meat? Yes, I did. No, no, good for you. Good for you, man. The reason I picked the USAPL is because I wanted to kill two birds with one stone. I wanted to shut everybody up who thought I couldn't do 600 in the competition and shut everybody up who thought I was on something. So I'm like, two birds with one stone, let's do it. I mean, that's all you can ask to do is, look, you can tell me you know how to beat a test. You know how to, all I can do is open myself up to getting tested. Whatever test you have waiting for me, I'll take it. You know, and, and you could get put yeah. in the testing pool. And anybody that's at the level that you're at now is going to be going through these same things again and again and again. It like is. I remember every you, sport. Yeah, it's just part of the sport. It's part of, yeah. unfortunately, the life. Yeah. Another funny fact is, um, 
When I went up for my third attempt, I was only going to do 605 pounds. But the director of the competition actually came up to me. He's like, man, I saw your second attempt. I want you to try a higher weight. And that's how we came up with 623. And did he know this is an unofficial world record? I, he did, but I had no idea. And that was the second part. When they were giving out awards, I knew I had broke the state record, but I didn't know anything about the national or the world record. And I was just as mind blown as everybody else in the crowd. I was like, what? <laughs> so you're like, what? You're like, holy smokes, this is my first competition. Um, when you found, when you were on that podium and they told you that, what were you thinking? I immediately hopped off the podium and ran to the person who had the microphone and asked him if I heard what I heard. And he was like, yeah, bro, you heard that. You're like, this is it. This is, this is, this is insane. Like what? I, I can't even imagine how it's, it's almost like your brother's situation all over again. Yeah. You know, it is literally like, this is what it is. This is a movie. That brother's situation was the beginning. And like, even though it's one competition, that the end was the exact same, only it's the world record. I mean, I can't even imagine just finding out after the fact. So when you found that out, like, was it a quick realization? Like, did you even have any inkling that you might be one of the strongest bench pressers in the world like that? Uh, I don't, I didn't really know how to take that all in because yeah. whether or not I thought I was the strongest, my ultimate goal is I want a raw 750 pound bench before I, Ooh. before it's all said and done. Yeah. That's, I, I want to be, when I'm done, I want to be known as the strongest raw bencher ever. Regardless of testing. And, and that, that would be the biggest, so I don't know what the biggest tested is. I would only go with IPF because I heard some guys, um, someone said Scott Melanson had the biggest tested, but he's for sure not natty. Yeah. And I highly doubt whatever Benji hit well into the 700s was actually tested or whatever like so i think who told us that it, i think it was julius maddox i was gonna say i believe it was julius maddox was talking about it but i and can't believe that another thing that people are bringing to my attention that i don't really pay attention to is this thing called the wilk score yeah, i just look at the overall number but it seems like everybody else who pushes the weight i push outweighs me by like 100 pounds and i'm like wow yeah 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 your wilks it's got to be absolutely, oh man, I want to take a look at that. You know, we're going to put in the little write-up for this podcast, you might have the biggest Wilkes ever. Um, that is absolutely right. Because 315, very, yeah. 315 is a massive man, but you're right. Like Julius Maddox, who we just talked about, is over four. Yeah. T.D. Oh, Davis, he's an absolute beast. He's got an amazing story himself. We did a podcast with him. I'll shoot you yeah, the link. Yeah, I talk to him on Instagram every now and then. Do you? Uh, amazing guy, very inspirational. You'd love him. And um, I'll shoot. I'll send you a link to the podcast with Julius Maddox. His story is so inspirational as well. Uh, yeah, you guys would definitely get along. You got the same type of like positive uh, makeup mentally. But again, he's a four hundred pound man. TD, um, absolute beast. IPF probably the biggest bencher in the IPF, um, and he's well into the four hundreds. I mean. You've got to be. Are you just checking out right now? Yeah, I'm looking for it right now. But yeah, you've got to be. This is the smallest guy. And I say small relative because you're 315. But to be pushing that kind of numbers is insane. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head if there's anybody else. Like Kelly Brayton from Canada. He won the world championship for bench as well. He's in the 600s. But again, he's like 360 pounds. Well, I think um, 
I think James Strickland weighs like 275, 280, and he pitches like 675. So that's crazy to me. But he'll be untested, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, I believe James is untested. Uh, unless I'm mistaken, I don't think he's an IPF USAPL lifter. If we're, if right. we're sticking to tested, um, I think you've got to be by far the biggest Wilkes. Like that, that basically pound for pound bencher. I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, I'll because, look it up later. Because even so, Jen Thompson is a woman in her 40s who weighs 130 some odd pounds. She could bench press 320 in competition. Yeah. She had the biggest uh, pound for pound bench with the Wilkes. But then a recent guest we had on here, and I know he's a big supporter of yours as well, uh, Jason Mike, had just recently beat her by Wilkes because he's pretty fairly light around your size. Yep. And he bench pressed um, around there into the 600s. There was another 600. 615 range, yeah. 16 range, and then um, and then I th- and so he took the biggest Wilkes in IPF history with bench because um, that's what he's saying in our podcast with him. So I think James, you might already have the biggest bench by Wilkes, which means the biggest bench pound for pound, regardless man, woman, whoever in the IPF, yeah. which is the biggest federation, tested federation in the world. And you did that in your first competition. And these are people, the names I'm dropping, I don't know if you follow powerlifting. These are all world champions several times over. All, le- are, all legends in the sport. Yeah. Like, if you came in here, your first competition, bam, let me just take this right now. Um, I mean, it's, uh, did, so do you know all these names that we're dropping? Like, are you, have you, do you follow the sport? No, I'm just now starting to follow the sport. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my friend, it's 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 crazy to think this is like, um, if I could equate it to like a, like another sport like football or something, you just jumped up there with the Bradys and Elways, it like just like that, yeah, or surpassed them actually, just like that with your very first game. So now that you're following the sport more, James, like, are you considering eventually going into doing trying like a three lift competition or? I've debated on trying one or two of them. But um, Julius actually told me to think about sticking to bench actual, you know, single lift because I don't want to steer away from my main goal. Yeah. And then if I squat and deadlift, that could injure me. You know, a higher chance of injury. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, you know what? You're right. Stick to my primary goal. But everybody always asks me, what do I squat? What do I deadlift? And I always tell them, my bench is my weakest lift. What? What? Your bench is your weakest lift? That's yeah. insane! What's so holy smokes? Dude, this is crazy. That uh, an hour twenty in, we just find out. Yeah, that's this is another bomb drop. This right is there. this is scary. Okay. So how much do you squat and deadlift then? The most I've squatted is about six fifty. The most I've deadlifted is about six seventy five. Okay, okay, okay. So in relation to um, yeah, you squat deadlift more than you bench. Okay, I thought you meant it's so it was like your your worst lift, but I was like, holy smokes. Um, but the the thing I was gonna ask though, um, in terms of like because like physical stress can bring on these seizures, would squatting and deadlifting bring it on more so, or and that's why bench is actually a little safer. Or? Well, the reason well squat is the most dangerous. Okay. Yeah. Now, I still squat. I just don't do it extremely heavy. I don't go any higher than 450 when I work out. And deadlift, I barely do that at all. And it's because my deadlift form sucks. I'll go ahead and tell you that. My first time deadlifting was a year ago. Mm, holy smokes. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, if you got your type of 
So your central nervous system, like the engine inside your body, is undoubtedly strong. Um, I mean, if you if you wanted to do three, the three lift and just push that, sky would be the limit. I'm sure if you just walked off the street and decided, and your first competition hit 623 bench. However, I think Julius is right in that um, you are going to make history in the bench only, and you already yeah. are. I mean, you already have the biggest wilts, I think, in IPF history. Because it hasn't been IPF yet, which is international, okay? So right now you're at the, the national level. What are your next steps? Is it um, bench only nationals at USAPL and then try to make a national, international team and start going after these records? Um, what's, what's the next game plan here? Right now I'm saving up all the little bit of change I got because um, I want to do the bench only nationals and I believe it's August. I believe it's on the 19th of August of next year, but I don't have any sponsors or anything yet, so everything's out of my pocket. And this last competition cost me about 850 bucks, so I'm like, I got to save up all my money. Yeah. Because I make 200 bucks a week. I do security at a bar every now and then, and that's all the money I get. Yeah. Because I, doctor won't really clear me to do a lot of jobs, and the doctor wants me on disability, but I don't want to be on disability because I want to work for my money. Yeah, yeah, I want to be a working man. I don't want to just collect a check because that makes me feel bad. I, I mean, it I is. I, it's it's for a guy like you who is an entrepreneur who who worked for himself at his own business, who's obviously incredibly motivated and disciplined. Um, I could see where it'd be it'd be difficult. Uh, you know, and at the same time, it's such like a. It it, it there's got to be something done in terms of sponsorships, in terms of getting you out to nationals. I gotta believe, like this story yeah. cannot go untold, and, and somebody's gotta get behind this. And that's that's whether it's whether it's just people, whether we decide, and people don't like the GoFundMe's. You know what? This is the type of this is the one. This is the type of situation that GoFundMe is created for. Yes, this is the one. Like some people don't like like if you're just whatever you have money, you're not allocating it to powerlifting. Start up a GoFundMe and just help me out so I can do my hobby sport. This isn't that. This isn't no. just a hobby for this man. Um, you know, this is this is this is everything he's got. This is and it's it's a story that everyone around will draw strength from as well. It's yeah. not just him. And um, that's why I'm glad you came on here. And if we can help in any way in terms of getting your story out and even approaching for uh, sponsorships and starting a GoFundMe and, and letting people know. Um, so where a where are you situated? And where is this bench-only nationals uh, in August? All right. Right now I'm in the United States. I'm in North Carolina in a small city named Graham. And the bench nationals is going to be in South Dakota. Gotcha. And is that um, – do you know – how far away is that for, for a drive? For a drive? I would have no idea. You want, you want Google Maps that? Let's take a look. If, if, I, had to guess, if I had to guess, I would say 10 to 14 hours. But Jesus, is that right? I'm not 100% sure. I know it's a while away from me. So you would have to fly. That's a flight then. Basically, you got to fly, hotel, sign up, food. Um, yeah, you're going to be looking at some you're going to be looking at a chunk of change. You said it was sorry, was it North Dakota or South Dakota? South Dakota. Yeah, we Now, are you guys uh, familiar with the name CT Fletcher? Yeah. Of course. Of course, my friend. You know, he got this Iron Wars thing. Yeah. 
there's a bunch of people who wants me to try to go do that to get some publicity and get my name out more. But I'm like, I don't know if that's my type of thing, but lately I have been considering because that's coming up in I was, January. I was way off of my... So that's a 22 and a half hour drive. You're not driving that. You have to fly. And that's going to be a chunk of change. Yeah. You're not kidding, my friend. And so where's the C.T. Fletcher uh, event? Is that going to be closer by? No, that's actually 2,500 miles away. That takes a day to get to. Okay. So, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, I see how money is an obstacle. Here's the thing. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you got to do the nationals. And then from nationals, you can go internationally. Yes. Um, and uh, sorry, you're, you're, you've turned into the producer here. Can you look up where internationally the benches, the next benches are uh, for 2019? Um, because you have options. There's the world championships, but there's also the North American championships, which is international. Once you go international, um, even if it's North Americans and you don't have to go to Europe, if it's in Europe that way, uh, you do have... You can set world records, and um, like that Wilkes will be recognized by the IPF. And if you have the biggest Wilkes in IPF history, I mean, that, you, that's got to be worth sponsorships. By the time I get to the bench nationals, I want to have a minimum of a 650 bench. Yeah. So that's going to be my next shot. And it's right there. Like, like that's all, yeah, from November to August, it's 100%. It should be under uh, championships. Can I hijack this for a second? Let me take a look at this. So the, uh, I think the U.S. even hosted the bench only not too long ago. I was going to say, I know there is one coming up that's in uh, Japan. but Open, classic, and equipped bench in Denmark. Yowzers, that could be a bit of a hike. However, North American uh, powerlifting? North, let's see, North American. Uh, let's see here. Stop me if you see it. There it is Whereabouts are you looking? It's right under your thumb. Panama. Oh, bent in Panama. Closer. Closer than Denmark, but that's going to be... And closer than Japan. And closer than Japan, but that's going to be some money. We got to start some GoFundMes, my friend. We got to get some sponsors involved. I mean, this is a story that needs to be told. And, um, and you got to head out there. The thing is, like, yeah, size-wise, it'll be tough because um, you're going to give up about 100 pounds to TD... And uh, TD is also the an American, so you'll be battling him, I believe, for spots on international uh, teams. But TD's not doing both North Americans and Worlds and all of those either. Yeah. There's room. I've talked to him as well. What's that, sorry? I've talked to him as well on Instagram. He's a cool guy. Yeah. Oh, he's he's been on the show uh, here as well. We've had, I mean, we've been, we've been fortunate enough to have a lot of the big names in terms of bench pressing. And, um, yeah, well, he's extremely positive, easygoing. You know, I, I think, like, when you're as big as you dudes and as strong as you guys, it's easier to let a lot of water roll off the back. You know what I mean? Because you know, like, you don't have to show up as much. TDs would be extremely supportive. You know, I mean, he's, uh, I mean, he's yeah. an absolute monster as well, 410 pounds-ish. So if you um, – have these people that, you, that are all – like, it seems like you're talking to all the big hitters in the game. Have they just approached you? How did you start talking to these guys? Well, I know TD especially liked one of my benches one time, and I was like, who is this guy? I clicked on his page, and I recognized his name from the record book that my brother was showing me one day, 
And I started looking at his page. I'm like, holy crap, this is a big dude. This dude's a beast. <laughs> He's the dude so in the IPF. I sent him one of my videos to get his opinion as far as like my form or any tips he could give me. And he was just real cool, responded back, and we kind of carried on the conversation from there. And every now and then, if I have a little hit and miss question or just want to send him a video, I'll send it to him. And he's just always cool. Same thing with Julius. Yeah. I mean, it's not these, these dudes. Okay, so you know they say you, you never want to meet your heroes. You meet these guys in real life, some of these guys you looked up to, and they're, not gonna, they're just not going to match up because they're, they're going to be ego or they're, if you're too close well, to them. And these I dudes. Them, sorry, go ahead. I tell them all the time. You guys are inspiration. I respect you guys. I look up to you guys. But please do not slow down because I'm training to beat you. Yeah, yeah. And you know what the thing is? These dudes, whether it's uh, Jason Mike, whether it's Julius Maddox, whether it's TD, and these are all the big hitters in terms of benching, these are, these are the type of dudes, if you look up to them, it doesn't matter if you're nipping on their heels. When you meet them, they'll live up. You know, yeah, they live no. up. They are those, they're like yourself. Like if somebody's nipping on your heels and they're coming up behind you, you know, you're, you're, you know who you are. You're secure with it. You know, you know that it's like, it doesn't take away from you. Where um, it's the other guys who might be insecure and feel like they got to knock you down a little bit. So the, the next competition I'm assuming is then the, the bench, or sorry, the bench nationals. And are you thinking, so at 315, is there going to be any conservative effort to either get bigger or, I mean, I, you've got to be too big to make 265-pound um, weight class. Is that right, do you think? Oh, no, I don't plan on cutting or gaining any weight. Stay, hold firm. Yeah. And, the heaviest, even if I do gain weight, the heaviest I'm going to be is 325. And if I ever get to 325, I'm going to start a real strict meal plan and cut back down to 315 because I don't want to lose my physique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is true, too. Yeah. And do you know how many calories a day you eat? Anywhere from five to 8,000. Whoa, 8,000. So, like, they have full on 400-pound strongmen who, who eat, like, 10,000 and they're force feeding themselves. Yeah. Like, how many times do you eat a day to, to hit that? Anywhere from three, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, some, a bad day I'll eat three big meals, and on a good day I'll eat five to eight meals. Damn! And what kind of stuff do you eat to, to, if you were going to fill out 8,000 calories? Yeah, because you mentioned I'll eat my food first. I'll eat my chicken, my fish, my broccoli, my steak. I'll eat a little bit of turkey, and then pretty much the rest of it is junk food and beans. <laughs> and, and what's your go-to junk food, cheat meal? Anything Little Debbie Cake. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, no, I second oh, that. Those are delicious. Yeah, they absolutely, man. No kidding. And in terms of, do you have any kind of like supplements, like creatines, proteins, or anything of that that you take? No, sir. I don't take any supplements. Would you be open if a supplement company was to come around and sponsor you? Most definitely. Okay, good. And if anyone does want to approach you, and we'll help you out there too, but how is the best way for them to approach you? Um... Just to be is, straight is it, up and honest with me. Is it Instagram? Is there an email they should contact you with? Um, like if someone, if someone's hearing this, A, they want to send money to GoFundMe, or B, if it's sponsors. Is Instagram the best way to approach you? Um, Instagram or email, because I do check my email on a daily basis, and I'm on Instagram all the time. So let's, 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 uh, let's get, to, and, and yeah, that's, that's the way she works these days. Yeah. Um, What's your Instagram or what's your email? Someone's listening to this and they want to approach you. My Instagram is James, 
the letter P as in pig, T, which is K, E, E, the number three. Gotcha. That's my Instagram. And then uh, now, my email is the same thing, but it's at gmail.com. And there you have it. And is there, is there anybody that you want to uh, thank while we have you on here? Yes. I'm a religious man, so first I'd like to thank God. I'd like to thank my friends and family, my brother, my mom, my dad. I'd like to thank Julius and TD for being awesome people. And I would like to thank you guys for bringing me on the podcast. Absolutely, my absolutely. friend. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And how much, um, and we're running out an hour and a half here, but before we let you, I just want to touch on, because you just brought it up, how much has faith been a major role in everything that's happened to you? I mean, your story, uh, in terms of like gifts, in terms of like what you've been through with trials, how much has faith pay, played a role when it was the darkest and you had these breakdowns of being bullied to when it's the brightest and you found out, my God, I'm doing things no one's ever done? It's playing a major role because I can count four times where I should have been dead, but I don't have a scratch on my body. So I'm like, I'm here for a reason. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I was going the wrong direction and he doesn't want me going that way. So this is where he wants me to go. And and then and then so, here you are, yeah. I mean it's such a it is such a fascinating story, my friend. And I'm so glad for you to come on here. Just when you think you've heard like one of the best powerlifting stories, and we've heard a lot of them. This is like, this is, this is a, a good one. This, as I said, like, I'm still almost yeah. speechless. I don't know how to digest yeah. it. I'm still wrapping it around my head. Um, listen, my man, thank you very much for coming on. Um, greatly appreciated. We, we would love to have you back on. And um, we're going to let you go. We're going to do our outro, but I'm going to reach out to you. I want to talk to you about a number of things. Um, how we could help you out. A, like from sponsors, coaching, to uh, getting money to go to nationals. I mean, you got our support, my friend. So um, we're going to keep in contact, all right? Thank you. You guys are awesome. No problem, my man. Oh, have yourself you. a good day. We'll talk shortly. All right. Later, guys. See you, buddy. Holy freaking moly. My friend, uh, so when I, when I messaged you, um, Earlier, uh, a couple days ago, and I said, okay, usual. Sunday, we usually do it Sunday, and you're like, who we got? I didn't know if you would know his name, so, um, because he's only had one competition. Yeah. But uh, I told you, because I'd already had the backstory a little bit, I said, trust me, it's going to be a good one. And you were like, you pretty much sold this to me as, I believe your exact words were, this guy's got a story that would make a good Netflix movie. And, not lying. Not, not, not lying. Definitely not lying. Like, from everywhere from his childhood, like, under 100 pounds, as a teen, under 100 pounds, um, getting bullied, the, the, like, what they did to him, you know, the humiliation, the whole night, when you go home, you, you hear kids getting bullied, like, how it's, it could swing either way. You see the guy, it's almost like an origin story for a superhero, when you're looking, I, at, looking you. at the guy. And the fact that um, he, at one point, can be so vulnerable... And, and hurt himself without knowing, hurt other people without knowing, so vulnerable, but on the same token, is literally the, could be the incredible Hulk. Yeah. And, and doesn't even know how strong he is. Literally. Yeah. He doesn't even know what he's doing. He's so strong, he, he doesn't even grasp, you're breaking world records. Like, like it's just happening, and it's like, um, 
it's, it's, it's insane, the story. I love how the, the brother, the story, like, I, how, when did you know? And the brothers, there's, there's that's a amazing. Two there's, yeah, the story with the brother throwing an extra 50 pounds on at 450, which... Into the 500s. Is mind-blowing in itself. Yeah. And then the second story of the meat director being like, no, you're... The meat I love, I love... You're going the, heavier because you've got way more in the tank. I love that the meat director was like, what's the plan? And yeah. the meat director probably knew, this is a world record. It will be unofficial because it's not a, it's not a, a state yeah. run meet. Um, for anyone listening, you got to go international for an international record. We talk about this a million times, but just so there's international judges, international, whatever, the whole nine, it makes sense, right? Yeah, so yeah, everyone knows it's above board, meets international standards. But I love that the meet director knew. He had the wherewithal to know, my friend, when you do this, everybody's going to know who you are. Everybody's going to be talking about it. Um, 623 pounds. And the guy, I mean, he's, I mean, he, if anybody should be going to nationals, if anybody should be given an opportunity, I know people hate to GoFundMe. This, you know what? There's very few GoFundMe that you see out there that I personally would donate to. And it's nothing against it. It's just, I don't. It's, it's literally helping someone do their hobby. Yeah, we all exactly. want to do that. This is one where if he throws up a GoFundMe, I would definitely throw my own money in yeah. to help him out. Look, if you... It, it, if there was ever a guy that deserved sponsorship, yeah, this kid's one of them. Yeah, and it is um, a lot of people, man. You go out there, you crush it, your ego gets big, your head gets big, and that's all we're doing is helping you just fucking feel good about yourself. This dude, a story like this, he goes out there and he hits something big. It's like everybody watching takes something from yeah. us. You know what I mean? It's not just for him. It's for if he could do it, you know? And it is just for, I love the imagination of just believing, yes, there are humans walking this earth that you don't know about and they're capable of remarkable things. And you have no idea they exist. And you think, well, they would find their way to the sport by now. No. no. You, they'll find their way to the sport when they're already the greatest of all time. When they're already like number one in the world. Um, I think TD, I've seen TD hit 661 before. I don't, I can't remember off the top of my head now if it's in the gym or what it was, but I know TD, but again, TD's got a hundred pounds on pound for pound. This young man, yeah. it might be him pound for pound. Like his Wilkes might be Jen Thompson. Who's the bench goat. Um, Jason Mike, who just beat Jen Thompson, uh, for bench goat status with yep. the Wilkes. And he said that was one of his goals was to have the biggest bench Wilkes because you know, Jason Mike was in the same situation. Jason Mike, phenomenal bencher. 100 pounds smaller than TD in Julius Maddox, but way too big for 265. So he was like, one of my goals, I could be the best bencher pound for pound in the IPF. Um, and, and he succeeded. That's, uh, that's something no one ever take away from This young man in his very first competition. Like, that's it? You're the goat? You're the goat. And it's... Overall, people bench more, but you're the goat pound for pound? That's fucking nuts. Very first meet. Pound for pound who does that? Yeah, no. no. Who does that? Nobody does that. Yeah. Nobody walks into their yeah. first meet. We're talking taste. IPF goat, obviously. Yeah. I mean, don't message me about Corel and all the rest of it. I fucking know. Yeah. That's untested. I shouldn't have to say it, but I get it. But you know we're, we're talking about apples, apples to apples. Apples or, to apples, yeah. yeah. But it, it's just insane that this young man. And I still find that. it really funny, though, just to bring everything back around on this as well. Like, we started off the podcast talking about kids in their 20s and that not really knowing who they are yeah being awkward and stuff like that and just that general yeah. and then you got this we get james 25. on 25 knows exactly he's gone through just a 
absolute shit ton in his life, like more than most adults, more than most people will ever go through in their yeah. life in terms of controversy. But he knows exactly who he is. He knows exactly what his goals are. And he just keeps pushing towards that. Like yeah. it's, 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 it's a very, I mean, he was a, he, he was a business owner yeah. doing his own thing. And by, he must've been in his early twenties at the time. Like the guy, like, uh, incredibly smart in terms of like obviously schooling wise and then also applicable in terms of running his own business and working for himself doing his thing and obviously incredibly driven at the fact that despite everything thrown at him ran his own business and then also look at he just what he's done in weightlifting right so he's got all the intangibles and he's only 25 yeah you know and, and he's it's, not even reaching his peak of strength yet which is just frightening to think about but and it is um like i know whether you're religious or not when you hear like uh, like he talks about his faith, the reason why when he said that I wanted to ask him about it, sometimes when you're in situations like that, where you whether you're, whether or not you're religious or not, you could step back and see where you need you need to have faith in something, faith in that like I'm on path, it's all right. Yeah. Like some faith can carry you through. So I'm like, why me? You, it'd be so easy for him to be like, why me? I'm I'm 25 now. Like they took away my job, they took away my license, they took away my ability. For so much that we're taking for granted right now, I'm living with my parents, and is this a long-term gig? Like, I can't stay here forever. He's got a lot of things on the table he's got to work out, but he's, one thing that's his is weightlifting. Yep. When, when this hit the fan, and he's like, you almost killed three people. You almost killed yourself, and we're going to take everything from you. Not we, but everything has to be taken from you. And he's about to have that nervous, but I can't even imagine what that conversation would be like, and your mom's crying beside you. I can't imagine what that conversation would be like First thing he went to was... just going to say, the, the first thing he does is go to the gym for 48 hours. 48 hours straight. And he didn't want to leave. And I can... I know, like, he didn't want to leave there because he didn't know he's leaving too. And it's like, he was safe there. Whatever the fuck was waiting for him outside the gym, when he was there, yeah, he was okay. And he stayed there as long as he fucking could. And then he had that breakdown. Like, you got to go. You got to go home. You got to face what you got to face. And that's when it hit him. It's fucking such a good story. And it's, it's so, like, riveting. The gym is saving him. Like, that is, like, his faith in, in so much more than just religion. But, like, you know what I mean? Where, uh, God damn it, it's such a touching story. I can't get over it. Even that part, when he said that part, you know, you don't want to leave that gym. You know what's coming. You're, you're a young man. He was, like, 23 at the time. And once you leave that gym, it's all hitting. Yeah. Don't let me, just let me stay here. Let me just keep, like, I just can't face it. It's so fucking I said, all I can do is just keep shaking my head in kind of disbelief of the... I'm like, dude, listen, man, this dude needs a documentary on him. This dude needs, uh, you know, same with Julius Maddox. Yep. My God, man, someone's got to follow around these guys. Like, they follow around the Generation Iron, and they follow around, um, you know, all the bodybuilders make those documentaries, and they follow Netflix, follow around the Four Strongmen, uh, with, like, f fabulous, fabulous documentaries. I love them. Follow around some of these bench-only guys. J some of the best stories we heard, Julius Maddox, um, James Key, even James Mike, uh, Jason, Jason Mike, Mike sorry, yeah. um, when he won the Worlds and his son is battling cancer, and he's been chasing a world open record as a master lifter and finally got it after years of fighting for it with his son with cancer, like, cheering him on. Fucking phenomenal. Yeah. You can't make this stuff up. It's no, just, these, these it's, are all stories I that could, deserve their own 30 and 30. A guy who's making comic books up couldn't write James Keaton. Let's develop a juggernaut of a man. He's... he's Vulnerable but strong at the like beyond strong at the same time, but so complex a yeah. story, you know. And, and this moment happens when he finds out. In this moment, it's um, it's just the, the origin story of some of these guys, man. This is phenomenal. I love it. That's why I love doing these podcasts, yeah. man. I look at don't don't get me wrong. 
I'll sit down and talk with the strength guys about programming. It's necessary. And you know what? The takeaway from that, I change shit up. I change up my, the way I it's, approach training and programming. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I've changed up stuff for my programming, coaching, and everything else as well. Yeah. Of, and it's, mean, it's important. And yeah. that's, that's why the sport in general has progressed by the information yeah. sharing. So... No, love I that. Love those podcasts. Love those podcasts. Necessary. And it's the reason why the sport is where it is because of guys like that and, and coming on channels like this and sharing. But I swear to God, on a whole nother level, when these kind of episodes happen in gym, and please, if you're listening, damn it, share this in your, share this in your, in your Instagram stories. Share this. Like, tell people, listen to this episode. This is definitely Not just for us. Not just for King of the List. But... Make sure people hear the James Key story. You know, and the Julius Maddox... If you haven't heard the Julius Maddox episode, you thought this was good, you're going to love the Julius Maddox. You know, you're going to love the Jason Mike episodes. Go back. Get them. Share them. Tell people, yo, you got to listen to this. You know, stop making... You feel sorry for yourself. You know what I mean? This dude turns water into wine. For real. You know, this dude... This yeah. That's what it is. Uh, but, uh... So we... Let's take, we're going to leave. We got, we got to smash some food. Back-to-back episodes recording on this Sunday. Um, I hope you like this episode. This is one of my favorites, man. You know what? We, at the end of the year, which is approaching, we need to have a guest of the year. I was actually just thinking that same thing. That no, we got I, to. I feel like, yeah, that's, that's got to happen. We're going to post up our picks for top 10 and invite everybody to listen to them and then vote on those top 10. It's not a popularity contest. I give a shit not how good a lifter the guy was. Popular, like, they're all going to be good. But um, popularity, whatever, it's got to be the actual episode itself and their story and how what the takeaway, like, like when I, what I got right now, what I'm feeling right now when I walk away from this, I'm like, holy shit, I feel motivated. I feel like this. That was awesome. Feel good story. Um, perfect for like, the holidays and all the, the rest of it. I want, I want to, who's the guest of the year? We're going to do our usual awards, lifter of the year, squad of the year, blah, blah, blah. But I want guest of the year as well. Yeah, I agree. It's got to be It's going to be a tough one. I already got a, I've already belted up a couple. But there's some other ones. There's some other ones up there. That there's a couple had. in my head that I can think of that are on the run. Yeah, I got to double check who was earlier this year, made this year, and who wasn't. Um... But anyways. That's another episode, anyways. Another let's, episode. Let's, let's, leave that one. let's leave it where it is. So thanks for tuning in. Do not miss the ep- another episode because, uh, you know, we're coming in with fire. It's coming in hot. And the other guy, I'm not going to drop who it is yet. He's a personality. You're going to like it. Till next time, six-pack lap it up. And Paul Moran's and underscore lifts. Peace.